Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Alejandro, and I'm very pleased to have Adrian. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Thank you for having me. Today we'll be talking about John Cage's 433, one of his most controversial pieces. Among the most famous works of John Cage, a well-known contemporary composer, is his piece for piano entitled 433. To perform that work, the pianist goes on stage, sits at the piano, opens the keyboard, and remains seated for exactly 4 minutes and 33 seconds. At the end of that time, the pianist closes the keyboard and leaves the stage. Is 433 a work of art? Is it a piece of music? What if Cage insisted that 433 is a listening experience in which the audience is supposed to hear background noises? Would your answer to the last question be different? Suppose that during a recent concert of Cage's works, the pianist hired to perform 433 became ill at the last moment and had to withdraw. In desperation, the stage manager himself performed the work. Would this be a performance of Cage's work? Okay, so first of all, let's start off with who was he? So John Cage, full name John Milton Cage Jr., was a percussion composer born in September 1912 in America, and he had died in August of 1992. So he had quite a long life and career. He was a very influential and innovative force behind the use of traditional musical instruments in a rather untraditional way and was linked to a very strange style of music, landing him firmly in the avant-garde school of ideology. So Cage was known for, particularly known for, his creation of the prepared piano. So this was a piano he had taken and altered the sounds that the piano produced by inserting like strange objects between the strings in the back of the piano, as well as under the hammers on top of the hammers, you know, and all that to create bizarre noises because he was extremely interested in creating noise was really his philosophy. So using these pianos that he did not prepare, he wrote numerous compositions and works related to dance. Um, Some pieces made for concert, like um, his sonatas and interludes, which he did between 1946 and 1948. And his whole philosophy about creating noise came in when he decided to experiment with chance, the philosophy of things happening by chance and at random. So he began creating random noises with mechanical objects he had around at the time, different instruments, like the piano he prepared and found that it was very difficult to create harmony with these noises. So instead of continuing to try and create harmonious music with these instruments and devices, he decided to focus on a different dimension and focused on the concept of time and duration and the length of these works. So he started working on pieces with different movements and sort of diversions where he'd broken them up 
into smaller bits, longer bits, and perform them in succession or one at a time. Um, and he also then, with these same ideas for his compositional theories and techniques in his writings around um, the idea of chance and randomness, he began experimenting with visual art as well. So he was no longer just a composer. He was creating paintings and drawings and all of which were still inspired by these same philosophies. So he created extremely abstract works um, falling well within the abstract expressionism sort of <laughs> art world. And his pieces were these lines and dots and these creations he made while still thinking of his music sort of compositions at the same time. So all of his works were very much grounded and surrounded by the philosophy of chance. Right, exactly. Now, why was he so important? So John was very important in creating these philosophies and writings, which were then later applied to almost all schools of art and forms of art. He started up a relationship with a famed choreographer in the 60s, Mercy Cunningham. And he created music for performances and shows. And those all followed the same philosophy of random sounds and chants and his concept of time and duration of these works. And he, these have all been incorporated in most art forms today, visual arts, film, theater, dance. And this really cemented his connection to the art world. Right. Now, we'll be looking at whether or not John Cage's 433 is a work of art. But first, before we get to it, what is art? So art is a very subjective concept. Um, it is observed individually and in a very much individual capacity where we all pass our own judgments of anything we observe, objects, performances. So there's no clear category or categories in which we classify art and what can be considered art. So if we look back to the times of Plato, he so desperately wanted to define art because the Greeks hadn't. There was no term for this phenomenon that was the creation of art. He wanted to identify the essence, what makes art what it is and how he can quantify it or categorize it in a way that allowed people to classify art correctly. He held and believed that the essence of anything, abstract or otherwise, concepts like beauty and physical structures are discoverable and that we can with careful reflection, figure out exactly what makes, what makes up the essence of these objects and constructs. And he did this to 
try to create or formulate definition. Later, some other theorists took this concept of the essence of art and try to flesh it out more, make it more understandable. Clive Bell, for instance, claims and maintains that all works of art have some common quality which allows them to be grouped together and considered art, to class them as works of art. And he believed that this, this was essential, an essential part of classifying and categorizing what is art. Others complain that our concept of art has become so distorted and so twisted that even artworks that would generally be considered bad are sometimes considered good and abstract. And they believe that the perception of what we truly see as art has been lost over time as we try to incorporate more and more forms and media and styles to fit the concept of art with its vast diversity of form. Art is complex. So the definition of art will also be complex to really capture the essence of everything encapsulated in what is art. So these definitions need to include so many different characteristics and they need to be numerous and sufficient to satisfy this idea of sameness in different arts, whether you're looking at one technique or another, a different media to another, they need to somehow be connected in order for it to be considered art. So there have been whole schools of thought, ideologies and movements surrounding these different classifications. They support the different definitions of what can be considered art because they support different theories, different features that they would rather look at, whether it be artworks that resemble a similar style, medium, artworks that resemble similar material, subject matter, emotion. All of this has been looked at and an attempt has been made to incorporate this all into a very broad sort of definition of what is art in order to create this broad definition. There are hedonists, people who search for the pleasure in observing works. There are intuitionists who are looking for some intuitive quality in the work. There's people who support an aesthetic attitude, people who are disinterested in the quality of mind that the artwork invites, but rather the way it appears and looks. It goes on and on. So with all these different theories and ideas, how do we create a single definition that encapsulates all of it? It is incredibly difficult. And we find that we are more willing then to take notice and acknowledge different parts of artworks or you know what would be considered works of art, even though they don't necessarily satisfy what we are looking for in the work to be able to classify it as art. And this takes us back to those ideas that the definition has been or the, the classification has been so distorted that works that would generally be considered bad may be considered good works or abstract works 
they get placed in some category to justify why it looks the way it does or why it makes one feel the way it does. And um, in theory, this takes us back to that very broad idea that art by its nature is indefinable. We cannot seem to create all these centuries worth of art creation and exhibition. We cannot seem to agree on a single definition for what art is and what classifies a work as a work of art. And this takes us to a concept called anti-essentialism, where there is the belief that there is no one feature, one, no one factor that will classify anything as art. So we now look at a set of features or a, a group of these factors to find some link, something that they share in common, and with that, we can then classify and characterize artworks. So if we look and see at what we have as of recently been considering works of art, we find that there is often overlap and there are no, not necessarily any exact common factors and properties seen in each individual piece, but rather that the same kind of media may be used or a similar style has been used and we group them in a way that allows these concepts to overlap and resemble one another in one way or another. And these differences in style, taste, medium, the material in which these pieces are created are looked at as more of an open concept where the conditions in which the materials and all that need to be applied are not stringent they're not forced to be a certain way and so the concept is open in that you can apply paint with a brush or your hands or a sponge or really any other material there is no defined way in which you need to do it and this is what fuels the creativity in the art world Others later have tried to contest this indefinable concept and put forward an actual definition for what is art. And George Dickey has said that art, in the sense of classification, is an artifact, something which can be appreciated by a person or multiple persons performing action on behalf of some kind of social institution, whether this be in the art world or otherwise a gallery, a art school, something of that would satisfy this social institution he refers to. He followed this up by creating circular definitions which he believes reflect the nature of art and he says that an artist is a person who participates in the making of a work of art with understanding. He also believes that a work of art is something created, an artifact created to be presented and exhibited to the public of the art world. He believes that a public 
set of people who are prepared in some degree to understand an object, the works are presented to them. He believes that the art world as a whole is a combination of all of the art world systems together. And he also believes that an art world system then is a framework of ideology for the presentation of a work of art by an artist to an art world public. He believes that these art world systems are frameworks created by the artists in their presentation to people in the art world. We begin to look at how these concepts are linked like a thread where features and these features and factors overlap and can be seen in different subgroups. And that way we can group them together to put them under the same name according to the overlap of concept or the resemblance in style and concept of these artworks. And that these people in the art world are critics, artists, art historians and philosophers and reporters, those who have some knowledge and background and study in how to critically analyze works of art. But overall, there is this belief that works of art may no longer be considered artworks to the art world if the public no longer regards it as such. And this then takes us back to what observing works of art make us feel physiologically, emotionally, physically. These responses they elicit will decide whether we consider works of art, art or not. So anything which draws or elicits some sort of response from the audience, the viewer, whether it be physical, emotional, physiological, all these things could be considered works of art. And this is very much seen with two sort of schools of thought of materialists and idealists, where the materialists believe art is very much in the physical sort of realm where we can see it, touch it, and really get an idea of the state of mind of the artist at the time of the creation of the work. And on the contrasting side of that, idealists don't necessarily care for the physical work itself in the sense that it does not need to necessarily be something they can see and touch. It's more focused in the emotion that went into the work, the emotion that it elicits from them, the thought pattern of the artist while creating it. And I mean, honestly, either way, they're both dependent on the experience of the audience and the viewer and the connections we form in response to these works themselves. So works of art can really, <laughs> really not be categorized in any box. So with this in mind, was this piece 433 really a work of art? In my opinion, it is a work of art because he had the intention. There was a lot of intention behind it. And I think that intention of eliciting some sort of response, physical, emotional, physiological, whatever, from the audience very much makes his work art. His whole thing was to have the audience sit and listen to this 
so-called silent performance where you know the musicians and the performers didn't actually perform they didn't play musical instruments under the instruction of John himself so the ambient noise created in the auditorium the concert hall that they were in really gave that experience the whole thing was for them to hear that there is no such thing as complete true silence um, that there is always some kind of ambient sound somewhere around you whether you are cognizant of it or not um, and I think that intention was made clear <laughs> for those who <laughs> who stuck around for it um, so yeah I, I, I do believe it is a, a work of art completely agreed now going back to his 433 work and his music but first I want to talk I want to I want you to talk about what is music so music is another one that is under great debate but to me music based on the general definition of it is something vocal instrumental you know mechanical sounds created in succession to create some kind of melody, a harmony, a rhythm. And these produce very ordered and structured sounds and tones, which we can then categorize as things like classical music or jazz music, rock music, and so on with the different instruments and a very sort of relatable, recognizable sound. So with that, with that in mind, do you think his work 433 was a piece of music even though it was all unorganized i i would not classify 433 as a musical piece no how so because the audience were sort of roped into participating in the composition they not knowing sort of unknowingly with their movement in their seats, their sneezing, coughing, you know, the, the performers themselves, though some of them had some order and structure, they opened and closed the piano lid at certain intervals. But generally speaking, there was no order or structure to the composition as a whole. Um, there was no melody, no rhythm, no harmony. There was no sound which we can recognize as music you know vocal instrumental there were some mechanical sounds i suppose in the ambience but i wouldn't consider them intentional so um i i don't see this being a musical piece but what if cage insisted that 433 was a listening experience in which the audience is supposed to hear background noises would your answer be different Ah uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't think my answer would change. Although they were intended to listen to the background sounds, the sounds themselves will still not necessarily have rhythm, melody, and harmony because they are all happening by chance and at random. So I don't see any structure, order, anything that I would generally consider to compose a musical piece. Right, because it was more of a movement composition than an actual piece. Yes. Now, suppose that during a recent concert of Cage's works, 
the pianist hired to perform 433 became a bit ill and had to withdraw. And in a scramble, the stage manager subs in to take his place. Would this be a performance of Cage's work? In the general sense, yes, because a performance would be completing sort of the actions or tasks um, depicted in the score, I suppose, if it would be a score, the, the composition of the piece where he instructed the musicians and performers not to actually play their instruments, where he had them sit still or, you know, not necessarily still, but he had them sit on stage and just not perform any music. Um, I think if a stage manager had come in to fulfill that task, um, it would be a performance of his work. Although the works, the 433 itself is a very, very random piece because each time it is performed, it, it cannot be reproduced because the concert hall or auditorium or wherever it is performed will be different. The acoustics will be different. The audience might not be the same. Um, so the sounds generated by the audience and the acoustics in the room and the performers themselves won't be necessarily the same. So I think it would be a performance of his composition in the sense that he is fulfilling the task. However, I don't know that the performance in any sense, whether it is the same um, performers and musicians each time, I don't know that the performance is reproducible. Right, because it was a performance without an actual performance. Yeah. <laughs> so all in all, John Cage's 433 composition is a work of art, does not necessarily a piece of music but a listening experience for the audience, which allows them to contemplate the non-existence of true silence. With that being said, I want to thank you for joining us so much today, Adrian. I really appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious.